All right. Well, happy anniversary, uh, English ministry. A happy 33rd anniversary to you to be specific. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, so thank you for being here for those that follow the Super Bowl. Uh, I also want to thank Roy uh, for putting that video together for the deacons and all the deacons and pastors that recorded that video. Amazing job. That really brought warmth and encouragement to my heart there. Uh, so that, that was really, really good. Uh, some of you, I, I see have been blowing into your hands to try to stay warm a little bit. It's a bit chilly uh, this morning, three degrees, but my friend in Winnipeg went, messaged me this morning uh, just to uh, send some encouragement. It's like, oh, how's the weather over there? It's minus 45 right now in Winnipeg with wind chill. And I was embarrassed to reply uh, what, <laughs> what our temperature is. Uh, but I hope it finds you well this morning on this anniversary. Uh, and as we enter into the 33rd year, it's also known as the Jesus year. Uh, some call it the Jesus year because uh, 33 years, that's when Jesus was crucified. Uh, that's when he died. So in the Jesus year, it's the celebration or it's the remembrance of, of how we've died to ourselves, of the things that are not of God and the, how those are died and, and, and been crucified with God. But we know that uh, it's also not only a year of death of, of the old things, of our old selves, uh, but it's also uh, the uh, how it's re we're resurrected to life as well, because Jesus didn't wasn't only just crucified. He, was, he, he didn't just die, but he also resurrected again and he ascended again. And so on this 33rd year, we remember that, that the greatest story ever told, it didn't end with crucifixion, but it begins with new life. So that's our prayer for us as a congregation this morning, uh, that on this 33rd year that we celebrate the new life that God has given us, that he's calling us into uh, the death of our old self. But this year, as we concentrate on doing really the basic things of God, of faith, again, is remembering what it means to pray, uh, what it means to worship, what it means to gather in community. As we, as we engage in those acts of our worship, uh, that will experience new life uh, with God. Uh, also, I, I want to just mention this year, our church theme for the whole church, all congregations, uh, it's be, be the light of the world uh, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. And it's a reminder for us as Christians, especially for us, uh, English ministry in the 33rd year, uh, a reminder for us to shine, uh, that we're meant to make a difference in the world, that as Jesus changes us from the inside out, as we experience the, spir the spiritual life in him, that there's this light that comes out of us, uh, that shines into the world. That we're not meant to hide it, uh, but we're meant to uh, shine, uh, to make a difference no matter where it is that you find yourself situated. And so be the light of the world. I'm sure we're going to print a very beautiful banner at the church uh, whenever it is that we get to gather uh, together again. Okay, so on this anniversary service, I do want to continue on on our series uh, called uh, Authentic uh, Marks of a Biblical Community. And we find ourselves this morning uh, where uh, Katie beautifully read for us in John chapter 13, <clears throat> verse uh, 1 to 17. And we see how a mark of a biblical community, an authentic community, is one that serves uh, one another. So I'm titling the talk this morning, Serving from Our Security, from John chapter 13, 1 to 17. And we see here in this uh, section of text that the disciples were gathered around for the Passover meal, uh, which celebrates the liberation of the Israelites from Egypt. Remember, they were enslaved and bondage to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but God freed them. God passed over them. Uh, so we see how there's a celebration here during that meal. Uh, and they're celebrating how, how God has freed them. And, and then uh, they take on this Passover meal, they take the first ever communion together uh, from Jesus and which we will celebrate later as Pastor Howard's going to lead us uh, through. 
Yet it was in this moment of a Passover in this dinner, instead of being served, Jesus, instead of being served, he chooses to serve. He chooses to serve his uh, disciples. And we see that uh, out of everything that's, that's about to happen, even though Jesus is about to be crucified, he's about to be mocked and spat on and, and tortured, he still chooses to serve his disciples. And as we reflect about Jesus, as uh, we reflect about that as a congregation this morning, I really believe this, that our serving comes from the security of our God-given identity. That when we go out and shine, as we go out and serve, we don't serve out of our own strength. We don't serve out of our own power, our own might, or whatever it is that we can muster up. Our serving comes from the security that we have in God, of the identity that he has given us. And that's because our Savior, our Jesus, he's a serving Savior. He's a saving Savior, but he's also a serving Savior. He doesn't care about what's about to happen to him. He doesn't care about what other people say about him. Uh, he knows uh, who God says he is and what he has been called to do. And he go goes and, and, and does it. Uh, what, what, as we go on this morning, I just want to pray for us uh, as we go into more into the word. Uh, Father, as we dive into your word this morning in John 13, we first off thank you, God, for who you are, for giving us 33 years of your faithfulness, of your steadfastness. And I pray, God, this morning as we study and we look into John 13, that we would have uh, that we'll continue to inherit the heart of the Father, uh, the heart of Jesus, who comes to serve and not be served. Father, may that be um, uh, one of the marks of our church, God, a serving church, a loving church, a church that receives um, uh, you with humility. But because of that, we go out, God, and, and love others. And we receive the love that you've given to, from, uh, you've given to us so that we can go and help others to, to experience that love as well. Uh, and to follow that calling that you've given us. So this morning, may you give us eyes to see, hearts to understand, and minds to comprehend you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, whenever I talk about this, uh, this topic of serving, I, I, it reminds me of moments where I've been served. Uh, I think about uh, during these moments of COVID where our church has served us so well, uh, has loved us so well, whether it's through prayers or dropping things off. I mentioned that uh, before but also reminded of a times where it just felt I'm not sure why I got muted. Uh, maybe that didn't sound very good. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I mean, times where I got served and I think about times in when I was on vacation, I know our cruise ship uh, season has ended already before it even started. I think it's postponed all the way to 2022. I don't know how many of you like cruising. Uh, but I've been on a cruise before, and it's just so strange that uh, they're serving you at every single move. I remember sitting right in front of the coffee maker, and I wanted to turn around just to make it myself, and I was told to stop because they're supposed to serve me, and uh, that would just be weird. I'm like, but it's literally right behind me. I could, like, reach it, like, right, like, no, 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 you, you don't do that because you're taking away, away from the responsibilities, or I think about a time when I think Expedia probably made a mistake, and our family was able to to afford a, a trip to Mexico to this resort. It was like 70% off or something like that. It was something ridiculous for our family. Uh, but on the pool side, like we had to sit in this specific place where this uh, uh, there's a waiter there that's serving us specifically for the whole week. And it was so strange that we're supposed to, you know, you know, uh, we're, uh, um, we're supposed to be the customers, I guess, of the hotel, the resort, but he was serving us. And at the very end, he even bought us a souvenir t-shirt for our son. Uh, kind of this over and it's really weird like for me to sit there and I'm not allowed to go and do anything myself uh, but to serve 
And I think about that and I'm thinking about how it must have been so strange for the disciples, especially for Peter, who catches on what's going on there, to be served by the Savior, to be served by, to be served by, by the King of Kings. Uh, some of the disciples don't know what's going on. They don't understand. But to look at this Jesus, who's the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, uh, to how he has come not to serve, but to, uh, not to be served, but to serve humanity, that ought to change us, that ought to shift the way that we live. And it only comes from my understanding of how Jesus and his security of his identity of who uh, he is. And my prayer for us in our church today is that we would be a serving people and not a serving in the sense of you have to go and serve, uh, but in a sense of us understanding how God has served us and how serving is never about the action, but it's about the people. And that's how Jesus, what Jesus has proven and shown us uh, today. Uh, I pray that our church would be a church who knows our identity full well, a church who knows our worth and our values. And out of this identity, we will go and serve and to love others well, even when others don't know it. Uh, even though others don't know that we're serving them. And that's how we understand this in the passage here this morning, that it was just before the Passover festival, which I talked about already, but it shows us in these first three verses what Jesus knows. And even though he knows what he knows, he still decides to do what he does. Uh, so you follow along with me here. Uh, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that part. He loved his disciples to the end. It was a relentless love. It was an all-pursuing love all the way to his very last breath. That's how much he loved his people and his, his disciples. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Okay, so we see Jesus know three things here. I'll just lay it out for us right here. Jesus knew that his hour has come. So he's about to leave the world and go back to the Father, meaning he knew that his time has come to be crucified, to be tortured, uh, to be brought to the hands of the authority. But he also knew not only will he be crucified, but his time has come to resurrect uh, and to ascend back to heaven, to go back to where he belongs in heaven and right hand of the Father. But what else did he knew? He also knew that Je uh, Judas would betray him, uh, that Ju Judas would betray him. Yet Jesus, we'll see later, still chooses to serve him, still chooses to love him, uh, that it, it wouldn't really only be Judas who betrays him. Because if we remember the, the, uh, the biblical narrative, uh, the rest of the disciples all scatter, right? Uh, none of his disciples could be found at the cross. Uh, that at the cross, it was only the woman, actually, the woman disciples that were still there uh, listening and, and pleading for Jesus's this life. So not only would Jesus, uh, Judas betray him, but the rest of the disciples would as well. But Jesus still chooses to serve them. But what we also see, uh, what Jesus also knew, was that the Father had put all things under his power. Uh, all things under his power, that even though he will suffer and even though he'll die, he knows glory awaits him. And I love this, that even though he is poor, he, he is actually rich. And what one commentator actually says is that what others call suffering, Jesus actually calls glory. Uh, I love how he, he, he puts that there. Uh, or another commentator says this, uh, because Jesus knew who he was, where he came from, what he had, and where he was going, he was complete master of his situation. 
that it didn't matter what was going on in his life. It didn't matter what people were saying, what people were doing to him. He knew where he was going. His secure, his identity was secure in who God says he is. And you think about that for the rest of the disciples. Uh, you think about Jesus calming the storm. I, you might remember this in the other three gospel accounts. Jesus and the disciples are caught up in a storm and the disciples are panicking uh, and Jesus is sleeping. I was actually reading this uh, as a... Uh, uh, reading this part of the Bible last night to Cohen where, where, where it was found in this kid's Bible. And he was like, why would Jesus sleep during a storm? I'm like, that's a good question, Cohen. <laughs> I think it's to prove to us that he's mastered over, he's master over the, the situation. He's master over the storm that he's not, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't get blown here and there from the storms of life. And he says this to the disciples in Mark 440. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And that really is the same for us today, uh, that as we serve, as we encounter the world, that our identity doesn't come from what the world says. It doesn't come from uh, what the people around us says. It comes from who God is and who he says we are. And Jesus lives that out uh, full well, even to this point in Passover when he's about uh, to die. And this is important, what he knew, because what Jesus knew determined what he would do about it. What Jesus knew determined what he would do, even though he knew all these things, even though he knew people would betray him. He also knew that his life is secure in the father's hands. He also knew that, that God is in control. He also knew that his father is in control, in control of all things. He, that he's the maker of all things, that nothing uh, is out of his grasp and God knows what's going on. So what Jesus knew determined what he would do and serving uh, as we understand serving, serving is first about God. It's first understanding who God says we are. It's first understanding who God is. It's first understanding uh, our relationship with the Father. Because Jesus was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was disliked by many Pharisees and those in spiritual authority. But though he knew this, he was strengthened even more by what he knew about God. He didn't focus on the storm around him. He didn't focus on the situation. He focused on his father above. He focused on who God is. He was strengthened even more about who he knew about his own identity, that he's a son of God, uh, that, that, that his father is in control of all things. He knew that he was sent by God uh, to do God's will. He knew what his purpose was, and he lived out of the security. He lived out of the security and this identity that he has. And that ought to be the first thing for us too, as we go in love and as we serve, as we encounter the world, our serving must first be rooted in God, it must be first rooted in who he says we are and, uh, and what he has called us to do. So knowing what he knew, knowing who God is, this is what Jesus decides to do next, next in verse four. So don't miss that word. Knowing all these things, so this is what Jesus did. So he got up, from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped the towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So let's back up a little bit. What's all this about feet washing, right? Uh, like, you know, if you're not Christian and you're joining in for the very first time today, like what's all, you know, these Christians are always talking about feet washing. Like it's kind of strange, <laughs> you know, like what's, what's this all about? So Back, the, back in the day, they're wearing sandals, it's hot, they're walking around, their feet are dirty. Uh, and the, when you ever you come into someone's home or you come into a meal, there are servants there waiting for you to wash your feet because at their table, they don't sit like we do at a normal table, they're reclining back. 
and the table is really low and their feet are exposed almost by the food. So, you know, you can imagine stinky, smelly feet right by the food, you know, that's not very appetizing. So as a courtesy uh, of the guests, they wash, uh, the, the owner of the house will provide a servant who will wash their feet. So all the disciples were having this Passover meal and all their feet were supposed to have been washed as they enter into this house to have this meal. But for some reason, their feet aren't washed. Uh, so their feet are dirty. They're talking amongst themselves around the food and it's, you know, it's dirty, it's stinky. That's the situation there. So instead of sitting back and asking, where is the servant? Jesus takes initiative. Jesus takes initiative. Jesus takes initiative in serving his disciples. And what's so scandalous about this moment is that masters aren't supposed to wash their servants' feet. Like masters aren't supposed to wash their followers, the disciples' feet. But this is exactly what Jesus did. It's supposed to be the other way around. The servants, the disciples are supposed to wash their master's feet. But this is scandalous. Jesus reverses the role here. Uh, even And here's the thing. Even though Jesus has been given all things, right? He knew this. The Father has given him all things, all power, has given him all of creation. He gives up that power and he trades it for a basin and a towel. That's what he does right here. He relinquishes all that power, all that strength, and he trades it for water and a basin and a towel and serving his disciples. And Jesus is able to use the simplicity of a basin and a towel to demonstrate the power of God. Just think about that. Nothing uh, nothing miraculous here, nothing really seemingly uh, uh, over the top. But we're reminded here, don't ever discredit, as you serve, don't ever discredit the power of a simple action. That the action itself speaks louder, that God is able to use the actions of your life, no matter how big and small, to impact change to the people around you. That's because serving has always been about the people, not so much about the task. The fanciness of it, the bells and whistles of it, it's about the heart and it's about people. It's about serving those around you. So it's scandalous because the master is washing the servant's feet. But what's even more scandalous about the situation is that Jesus knew that there's someone there that's going to betray him and he's already betrayed him. And he already knows the disciples are going to run away, but yet he still chooses to wash their feet. Can you imagine the scandal here? Like imagine this, the situation that's going on here. But what Jesus chooses to do is he chooses to teach them in a lesson of humility. He gives up all his power for the, and, and picks up a basin and a towel. And he's teaching his disciples how the ways of the world is not the ways of his, the kingdom. How in God's kingdom, the first shall be last. The least will be the greatest. And what's fascinating in other narratives is that they might understand this a little bit here, but later on, right after communion, they start arguing amongst themselves who's actually going to be the greatest. You, we read this in Luke chapter 22, verse 24. A dispute also rose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. That right after Jesus does this and serves them communion, they go right back to arguing, hey, so who, who's best here? Uh, who's the greatest am among us here? So instead of talking more about this, Jesus decides to live it out here and to show them what humility looks like. And notice the detail, the detail in these two verses. He got up, he took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. He washed his disciples' feet. He dried them with a towel. Full service, full service, deluxe, platinum service, whatever you want to call it. From beginning to end, this is the kind of service that Jesus 
gives. But what I want us to pay attention as we learn from Jesus serving as well, notice the intentionality. That as we serve, we serve with intentionality, with deliberateness. We serve with intentionality. We serve, serving is a deliberate action. Serving happens when you create and you seize the opportunity. We don't sit back and wait for the opportunity to come. We learn from Jesus here that we're actively looking for moments to serve. And we need to position ourselves intentionally in order to serve. We need to get ourselves ready for the moment here as Jesus does with all the details that we see. And as followers of Jesus, we don't sit back and and consume, but we lean in and we contribute. That's what we see. We don't sit back and, and consume. We, we, we lean in and we contribute to the kingdom that God has a purpose in your life. God has a call in your life. God has called you to love and to serve the people around you. And he gives us moments every single day to do this. So as Jesus is doing this, as Jesus is washing disciples' feet, he finally gets to Peter. And I love this scene here that Peter's watching along. It's like, oh, wow, this is great. This is great. This is great. And all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, <laughs> what is going on here? Finally tunes in. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet too? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later uh, you will understand. And often when we serve, we want other people to understand, right? When we serve, we want other people to realize what's going on. We want them to realize the significance of the moment. Like imagine Jesus, like, I don't imagine Jesus like, like going around, like making really big drastic actions. You're like, look at me, you know, like I'm taking off my cloth and then I'm wrapping like the, you know, he's doing, no, he's doing it in humility. He's not making a big scene about it. You know, he's not doing like Howard and Steven, the coffee house twirling, you know, the noodles around. Like, he's not doing that stuff. Like it's, it's a simple action. It's a simple action of what he is doing is the humility of, of Jesus. And often for us, when we're about to serve, we make a big ruckus about it. Like, right. We want like everyone, like this is a huge moment of serving, but here we learn Jesus saying, you don't realize, and it's okay that you don't realize. You might not realize what is going on here. He doesn't make a big scene, but he just says, you don't realize, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to serve. I'm still going to press in. I'm still going to love the people around us. See, he, he knows that, he, that, they, 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 that the disciples don't get it, but they will, but they will understand what's to come and his actions will speak for itself and jesus still chooses to serve even though it doesn't uh, that others don't, around around them don't realize and we realize for us that when we serve that we're called to serve even when others don't realize the significance of it even when it's not noticed even when no one pays attention even when no one even sees you do it we don't we serve even when others don't realize the significance of it because that's the way that jesus has done it and that's the way that jesus serves and jesus says you don't realize now what i'm doing but that's just how it's going to be sometimes for us and some people aren't going to see and not going to understand and things are going to be all twisted up and people are going to say jesus why are you doing this you shouldn't be doing this but this is what he's come to do and come to serve but jesus identity again it doesn't come from the people around him or what other people say about him it's what god says and how god is what god has called him to do so he says, you will understand later the actions and God will speak for it himself. You'll see what I'm doing. You think this is something now as I'm on my knees washing your feet. You just wait to see what I'm about to do on the cross. 
and not only the cross, but you just wait and see when you come and visit the empty tomb and how I'm not there, you just wait and see. You think this is something here. I will really show you what true power is like. I will show you the true, full, the true and full power of God. And Peter might not realize it more because he still presses in. He says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then, Lord, I don't know what Simon Peter was, you know, really drastic. Like, not just my feet then, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. The whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. So without getting too much into this, I see Peter kind of taking Jesus off the sidetrack. Jesus is like, this isn't the main lesson here, but Peter, I'll entertain your question. <laughs> That's kind of what's going on. Uh, and, and he's teaching them how, you know, like you've been washed, meaning that for those that have believed in Jesus, you have been washed clean because of the body and the blood of Jesus, you have been washed, but your feet are dirty because that's your point of contact in the world. That as we live out in the world, that our feet get dirty, that we're not perfect, that we are sinful, that we need to confess, that we need to come back to God. We need him to wash our feet because we are continuing to sin, but our lives are secure in him. We have salvation, salvation in him already. And that's why he says in the end there, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Get, I think he's talking right to Judas because Judas didn't have a belief in this Jesus. So he hasn't had this bath yet uh, that he's referring to. But afterwards, as we see, uh, after he has done this, the passage ends with this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. There's that one another passage that we've been going through. Uh, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. If you do them, you're blessed uh, if you do these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And we come to the final point here that when we serve, we serve because it's a blessing to serve. It's a blessing to serve. It's not, serving is not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be a blessing. And what we find fascinating here is not, it's not a blessing to the people that you wash the feet of. We actually are the ones that receive the blessing. Then you find it the other way around. Then you find it that, that you're like, Jesus, are you sure? Like, shouldn't it be the people that I wash their feet that they are the ones being blessed? No, he's saying here, like when we serve, we are, are the ones that end up being blessed. See, this is what I want to end with this morning is that you're not blessed because you have clean feet. It's never been about the feet, all right? It's never been about the dirtiness of the feet. No, it's never been about the what as much as it has been about the why, of why we serve, of why Jesus is doing what he's doing. Jesus is saying, when you understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, then you understand what I am doing. You're blessed. Why are we blessed when we serve? You're blessed because you get it. You're blessed because you get it. When you serve, you're walking on the pathway of Jesus. That's why you're blessed. When you serve, it's a blessing because you're walking in the pathway of Jesus. And if you notice throughout this text, you would have noticed Jesus asked the question, this question twice. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked that twice, first in, first in verse 7 and then again in verse 12 here. He's really saying, when you get it, 
you get what I'm doing. You get who Jesus is. You get that he is the teacher and that he is Lord. You get what he has done for you. You get the cross. You get why Jesus had to die for you. You get why you need to be saved. And when we get who Jesus is and what he has done, then we get what it means to be the church. Then we get what it means to love the people around us and what it means to love each other. And as I end this morning, we, we would do well as a church and it would be God glorifying if LOC is known as the feet washing church. As we serve one another, as we love ex, ex, each other extravagantly in the way that we have experienced the extravagant love of God. But we need to first ask ourselves this question. Do we understand this? Like, do we understand this love of, that God has, has given us? Do we understand the cross? Do we understand why we need life? Do we understand our brokenness and how Jesus has saved us and healed us and his blood and his body has washed over us and made us whole? Do we believe this? That's the question we have this morning that we're left with. Because if we do, we have a church that's not afraid to do the hard work in serving others. We have a church that's not afraid in taking on the lowly and unfavorable positions in order to serve others around us. But the question I believe in the text this morning is, do we believe this? Do we have true faith in who this Jesus is? It, it was a tough week for us as a family, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. And some of you may have seen on the news uh, what's going on. And this step that we took really was out of the call that we felt that God has given us. These God-given opportunities to serve and to love those around us, that we knew the comments will come that we knew people would think the other way. But as we're praying about this, as we're seeking God, we ask the question, what would Jesus do? How has God called us to live, even those unfavorable, even though people look terribly upon you, even though your name is on the altar, as it says, uh, as we've been singing about, and people take that and misconstrued you and your family, even in light of all of that, God has called us to love those even when they don't understand what is going on. And out of this brokenness and this birth and this pain, we've seen messages from across the country from people that have gone on, hey, by the way, we also have had COVID and I haven't spoken up because of the stigma around it. Thank you for giving me a voice, for speaking up on our behalf. And I'm like, you know what? Our family is just being faithful to what God has called us to do because our example is Jesus on the cross in the way that he has lived and he has died. Or hey, like my, my father passed away three weeks, three weeks ago from COVID and having been able to process what's going on and, and, and people have been telling us we don't know what happened and he just died and that's just life. But here we get, we get a chance to grieve. We get a chance to be heard that our pain isn't not for naught and that we get to see that God knows what's going on. And I wanna urge you as a church that when you go and as you serve and each one of us has a specific calling in our lives that you don't know how God is speaking to you, that when we serve in the world, that God is going to use you to do greater things than what you could ever imagine, what you can ever think of. And our example is Jesus on the cross as he laid that out for, for everyone. And I just want to say that when our old selves die, when parts of us get crucified, in Christ, there's only new life that comes from it. 
There's only joy and goodness and wholeness that comes from it. And that is what we focus on. And that is the direction we move on is if we continue to follow in this Jesus. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your love and your sacrifice on that cross for us. Father, thank you, Lord, that you have washed our feet even before we understood what you have done for us. Even though we didn't know you, you have given yourself up for us in that act of humility. Father, as we accept you this morning, again, as we have faith in you this morning, may we go out and live out this faith that you have for us. May we live unshameful lives, lives that are, are unswerving, God, in your eyes. And I pray that as a blessing over us as a congregation, Lord, that as you send us out into the world, as we declare ourselves to be Christ followers, that we will never apologize for following Christ, that we'll never apologize for following the God of the universe into wherever it is that you called us to. And may it be your voice that is loudest in a world where it's so noisy, where so many are speaking. Uh, and may we follow you and may be beautiful things just come from our church and from our people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.